I can honestly say I've been made feel uncomfortable in my workplace. I've been made feel uncomfortable in restaurants. I've been made feel uncomfortable on a bus. I've been made feel uncomfortable in a supermarket. One Saturday morning and we were opening our shop on the North Strand. I'll never, never forget yeah. it. A man walking past and again shouting out Negro. I walked after him. Yeah. I tipped him on the shoulder. Yeah. I said, don't you ever fucking speak to me like that. What has gone on in my life has made me very tough. Yeah. I would be afraid of no man or woman. It's I mean, I was opening a shop. You could see that I was, I mean, it was probably eight o'clock in the morning. I know, I remember. The problem yeah. is, is that people want to know why are black people so angry. I wonder why people have had yeah. enough. Enough. I've had enough. Yeah. Absolutely There's days where I can honestly say I've had enough. It's our world. It's, it's a sad world, really. It's a really sad world, but I really hope that what's happening now in the world, that, you know, we use this time to educate ourselves. People owe that to the next generation. I'd like to think that it will change and that it'll be easier for the next generation. But from what I've seen, it's getting harder. Jay Jordan's new book, Nanny Man Me, is more than just a story of three Irish women navigating the same issues through three very different times in Irish history. It's an insight into how Ireland has changed and failed to change, how much the uncomfortable truth of racism back home has deep, deep roots. But most of all, it's about courage, pride, perseverance, family, and what home really means. Like so many women of the time, Jade's grandmother left Ireland for London to train as a nurse. While there, she fell in love, married, had three children. Nothing special there, you say. Except the man she fell for was black. The stigma surrounding mixed race marriages at the time was so great that she knew her family simply would not accept her. And they didn't. The book Nanny Man Me emerged from Jade's interviews with these women, which she posted to Instagram at the time. Those videos blew up for the same reasons this book will too. Both are raw, undeniable, first-hand accounts of the racism, discrimination and abuse these women encountered at home. And both are filled with Jade's love for these women, their love for her, and her family. I wholeheartedly recommend you go out and get this book this weekend. I am celebrating the return to live entertainment with a big, big show, a big return of the crack show in London on September 25th as part of the Underbelly Festival. Lots of special guests, lots of surprises. Tickets are on sale now from underbellyfestival.com. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Jay Jordan, thank you so much for doing Irish Man Abroad. We're here, obviously, to talk about uh, Nanny Man Me, an Irish story of family, race and home, written by Kathleen Dominique and Jay Jordan, your book that is out now absolutely everywhere. But obviously our conversation is going to go a lot of different directions. I wonder now that the dust is settling and you can see that the book is out there, how you reflect on those initial conversations that really are the seed from which this book grew, sitting down and putting the camera on people you love and asking them to share what are obviously traumatic experiences from their past. How do you view them now? And yeah, just how do you see those now when you see exactly how important they've now become to the story that is your life? Yeah, it, you know, it's so, so crazy. I mean, I knew there were always important stories and topics that I always wanted to tell, whether that was through art, through performance. I never knew how I was going to tell them, but I knew I would eventually do it one day. But it's a question I had for myself today and throughout the experience and now that it's out in the world is I'm so blown away with the reaction because it's one of those things. It's my story. I know it's important and I hold it really close to my heart. But it's so exposing. Hmm. Does anybody else care about that or want to know about my family? And I had a chat with a pal today and he was just like, you've done it. You wanted to do this. You manifested this years and years ago. And it's now come to play. And I said, Dave, look, I never knew that people actually wanted to know my story. And it's just been so, the reaction has just, I'm kind of struggling to put it into words, the reaction. To be quite honest with you, it's, and it makes it more, the word I'm looking for, more poignant that, you know, people, people want to know. Yes. And people, people are listening and people are picking this book up that I, 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 I wrote. It, it's, it's, it's so, so crazy. Yeah. And, you know, there is that thing that I feel like there's an urgency on the part of white people to engage in discussion on race because in some ways they feel like that's their effort to try and deal with racism and it comes from the best will in the world and it's mm-hmm. it's great and everything but then sometimes I wonder well is that going to do anything the book that really stood out for me in the last two years is the incredible why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, uh, mm-hmm. which is just like, you know, if people haven't read this book, you really just need to get it this week, along with Jade's book, because it articulates, you know, some of the frustrations of trying to engage people who don't really buy into the narrative that there's a race issue that there's structural racism and that our structures are created by people. You have gone the whole way around. In, in, in my view, the beauty of this book is that it submarines all of that and gets right to the heart of things with 
the story of three women, your grandmother, your mother and you. And when your grandmother is approached to speak on camera in 2016, she's initially reluctant. Mm -hmm. Do, Do you remember trying to convince her as to why it was a good idea and what, where that reluctance came from? I think it's a thing that we do here in Ireland and I think it's a generational thing that we kind of, things that happened in the past, it stays under this rug or carpet and it's squashed. It happened, we lived it, why keep talking about it? So I think that was a part of the reluctancy. Um, I guess throughout the book, when it's read, people will understand that Nanny actually tended not to see a lot of the things that went on. And I know she was aware of them. Of course she was aware of them. She was living in London in a time where, you know, there was signs where there was no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. She's a white woman marrying a black man. She had to have, had to have had some prejudice to get against her Mm. for sure. And I think that was Nanny's way of dealing with it and Chosen was just to ignore us. But yeah. when sitting down with her, I was like, Nanny, this is my history. You know, when you go, I won't know these things. Mm. And I don't really have anybody else to ask. You know, I wanted to know from Nanny's perspective too. Obviously, my mom, a woman of colour, but my Nanny's a white woman. I wanted to know what her experience was like coming back here with three children. Yeah, like... Uh... I think that's beautiful that that's the way that you reached her on it, because obviously she's a product of her time, too. That was how you dealt with things in that era of Ireland. (laughs) Why would you bring up the argument? Sure, we slammed the door. (laughs) The argument is over. That's the resolution of the argument. Why would we bring it out again when it's it's behind us? Among all of the stories of a part in that first section, because the book is obviously split into three sections. And in that first section, I think that something that might get lost when you're out and about doing all the interviews and you're in with Tuberty and on Ireland AM is that the whole story begins from love. And this woman who emerges from that dark, bleak time in Ireland, who's in London studying to be a nurse, she fell for this guy. She fell head over heels in love with him and she didn't see colour to start with. Yeah. And, you know, people can look at that now as a, a derogatory, excuse me, a derogatory thing that what, what you mean you don't see colour? Mm. My, my nanny genuinely didn't. Mm. And I believe that I don't think she's sugarcoating that or she didn't, she didn't see that. You know, you fall for who you fall for. Whatever that must be, whether that's the same sex or whatever that is, love is love. And that, in my opinion, just should have been accepted. And the reaction, the reaction that came with that, like, I mean, celebrating, finding the one you love and wanting to marry that person and spend the rest of your life together. And then keeping that from family for for time. Hmm. Knowing that there was going to be questions or maybe no acknowledgement at all, which was the case. And a fella came up. He knocked at the door. And I said, there's a chap out there. And I, I said, I don't recognise him. And he went out and there was another load of scumbags in the lane and they had a hatchet. And I think they were just going to attack because of his colour. 
she must have had like I, I just love your nanny's turn of phrase I love her as a human being and she's so Irish isn't she the, uh, the, the, re- the listeners here will love her too and identify with this person and everything that she you know represents like she says things at times she says things like but sure, there was there was war over things like people marrying Protestants. There was all sorts of <laughs> issues at the time. And she's right, like she's so on the money and she's such an economy of language in the way that she says it, that you as an interviewer, Jade, had the ability, though, to draw her out on things. Was there ever a time in that where you were like, I don't want to trigger her, I don't want to bring up something that's while I'm curious about might be difficult for her and there's a reason she's buried it. Yeah, well, you know, there was the there were there was times where Nanny Nanny would kind of go off the rail and you'd kind of have to bring her back. You know what we do with the way we go down mm. a little rabbit hole and you'd have to bring her back. But she if I asked something that, you know, she didn't want to answer, you'd know because she'd be like, Oh, I've lost where I am and you know that was Nanny's point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you knew that was a point where Nanny was tired and Nanny wasn't willing to give over that side of the information, you know. Or other times she'd say, I, I don't remember. And I wondered, and I'm sure you did too, mm-hmm. that there's certain things that she's decided not to remember. Yeah. And I say that throughout the book. There was so much that I think Nanny decides not to remember. Coping mechanism for sure. You know, I don't want to progress through the book chronologically in the in the discussion yeah. here because there's a couple of points raised in it that really stood out to me, and I think anyone listening will appreciate a discussion of them. There's a line you say in here. There's a presumption that each new generation becomes more tolerant and open-minded than its predecessor. Is the line that stood out in this chapter towards the end of the book, and I think that that's an assumption, as you say, that needs to be discussed because some of what brought this book into being is you watching the George Floyd murder take place and then reading the comments that followed and this dismissal that, oh, Jesus, Ireland is not America. Can people stop comparing it? And that kind of glib entitlement of those that believe because things aren't as bad or on this sliding scale of badness or racism and what's a what's a hate crime that there doesn't need to be a discussion. I I meet that all the time and I think we see it a lot with our uh, with our own parents uh, and an older generation yeah. who I feel may have backpedaled towards a racism. Do do you identify with what I'm talking about here? That like that assumption that each generation is going to be more tolerant. I think we're seeing that assumption really being challenged at the moment. Yeah, we are. And, you know, I I, I always say I think racism is always going to be there. We're never fully going to get rid of it. Absolutely not. I I really that's my opinion. Others could argue that, you know, it it won't be a thing in years to come and by God, I hope it's not. But yet again, it comes back to the generations. I think we are we we are getting more like my life has been so different. A woman in her early thirties to how it was thirty or forty years ago when my mom was younger. Like we've made such progress. 
like with schooling, education, people of authority, you know, how they react towards people of colour. God, there's been a massive, massive shift. But then again, it comes down to ignorance too. Like it, there's a misconception when I talk to social media that it, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen here. Mm. Well, a person of colour is telling you it does happen and can give you a book of examples. And do you, you know, feel that like there's sometimes like even as you say, the progress that's been made over the last 30 years has been crazy. Do you feel that sometimes you need to preface things with that, that there's a certain amount of shunting the discussion back to, well, sure, things used to be way worse in the past. You know, you're lucky that it's like the way it is now and that that is an attempt again to shut down dialogue on what's happening today. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely sure. We've we've made huge progress. You know, we're moving up in the world. Those things shouldn't have been a thing years ago. Do you know? Mm. Even coming back to love, that shouldn't have been a situation. You love who you love, end of the story. You know, as long as that person's happy. Like, if we don't acknowledge these things... How are people to learn and educate? I mean, I'm not perfect by any means. I still have a lot of my history to know. But I've started that. Do you know what I mean? And I can, if I can have a voice and try and... You know, I don't want to be an advocate, but if I have a, a voice and can help people understand that there is progression, but there's still more room for us, well, then I feel like I'm in a position where I, I, I can do that now because... I've done a lot of work on myself. I've picked information from loads of, I've watched films, I've watched TV programs, documentaries. So I'm trying to use my voice to let people know, you know, that we are forever changing here and we are a diverse island. But people still choose to ignore that there is issues, you know, even going off the topic here, even to witness on social media yesterday, with the winning for Miss World Ireland, mm. Ashley, she was racially abused on social media yesterday. That that crown should have gone to an Irish person. You know, and then my question comes back to, well, what does an Irish person look like? I mean, I've had that my whole life. No, but where are you really from? Well, I've just given you a face value and told you to your face, I'm Irish. Why have you questioned what I've said? Like, why do you feel the need to do that? And sometimes I feel, uh, Jade, that um, the attempts to have calm and reasoned discussions on this topic are failing. And that, you know, there's going to come a time for anger on this, that when it's being dismissed in the way it is, that there needs to be some kind of harnessing of uh, the the, the rage that m- must be felt, that is felt and that comes with this. The book that you've written, you know, as you say, is a detailing of three lives and the impact on being different from the norm and just how othering it is to have a skin tone that is not the norm in your country. Mm-hmm. And I've I've talked to other guests on the show. I'm sure people may remember the episodes where there's a certain amount of post-traumatic stress in the country around 
colonization and our own work as slaves in the past and now you know there's a bit of hook letting off that goes on there mm-hmm. you know even the commitments has a lot to answer for when <laughs> it said that the blacks or the irish are the blacks of europe it's just simply another route out of a, a straight discussion on what is taking place right now anybody that knows me knows that I'm a shopper. Every time you went into a shop, you got followed. Oh, always got followed, yeah. And one day I asked the security man why he was following me and he apologised and said that he was told to do it. Even the staff may look at you and wonder how have you got the money to pay for that. Still? Yeah. And that's not everybody. And that's probably what they've been trained to think. I mean, I've worked. I have my own business. I remember I was driving a new car and I was reversing and two fellas were standing smoking and one of them shouted over, how could you afford that, you black bastard? I work. It's not right for somebody to just assume that I can't afford it because of my colour. I found, I feel like the the character of your mother in the book was one that I was immediately (laughs) drawn to because you mustn't have known, or maybe you did, how feisty your mother was and how she had a limit as to the shit she would take. I'm talking specifically about this scene in particular with the nun referring to her over and over. Maybe you you tell the story about what takes place in this particular scene. So question, I knew my mum always had a bite in her, you know, she was a strong working class woman. And, you know, when you got that look, you knew not to push it. But in this, so basically when they lived in uh, Sean McDermott Street, they lived in the tenements, they went to school and their mum would have been in secondary school and then moved out to Blanchetown, which back in the day was the, the countryside. <laughs> yeah, it was. It literally was a sticks. I think it took like two hours to get from town on the bus. And Nanny went up to school to try and get my mum enrolled. And they weren't having it. They said there was no, there was no space Anyway, they come away and I guess they had the conversation that they try other local schools. Or do you know what? Maybe there wasn't many in the area at the time because it was the countryside. So anyway, they go back and chatting to neighbours and a neighbour happened, happened to say, oh, I've just got my young one into school or whatever. And my nanny thought, Jesus, that's funny because I was only up there today and there was no spots. So with that, obviously, my nanny digested it, thought about it and marched up to the school with my mum and was like, here, I was up here yesterday. I was told there was no space. Mm. And you've let Sally in, Barbara and all these other kids because they found out there was more that was in at the same, accepted at the same time. And what's the problem? Like, is it a colour problem? And once that was said, she was accepted straight away. So it was obvious what the answer was there. But anyway, when she started school, um, nuns used to teach them in the school and there was this specific nun that used to teach them religion and mom never did religion in um, London so she didn't know religion and she used to just pick on her and pick on her and call her stupid and comment on her appearance and give her a really really hard time and I think this went on for months and my ma lost it one day and she said one thing and my ma just threw a chair at her and yeah Mum was expelled and she just, she took her for months, you know, 
Mm. Violence is not the answer, but she took it for months. And you come to a point sometimes where you blow. And that was her blowing, I suppose. And to cut a long story short, she was expelled from school and obviously upset about that. Education is important. And had made friends as well with everyone in the local area in this other new local area, you know, and felt, felt a part of a community within the school where her classmates or whatever. And anyway, school kids went home, teenagers went home to their parents and explained what had happened. They'd been watching this for months, went home, and they'd obviously been maybe saying it to their parents beforehand. But a lot of local parents in the area and their teenagers went up and fought for my mum. They all rallied together. And my mum got her place back in the school. They'd all said that this behaviour was going on for months and it wasn't acceptable. Dominique was being bullied. And she got her place back. So I suppose in the book and throughout the book, I speak a lot about community. Because I think the community in the inner city and the community out here in Blanchestown really looked after my family. Mm. You know, my nanny was on her own with three kids as well. Really, really looked after her. And, you know, I think just shows the strength of my nanny for somebody who's so quiet. Like, her nickname's Mother Nature. Like, she wouldn't say boo to a goot. Like, she really, really wouldn't. Which I found amazing because I was like, my nanny, like, I could nearly see my nanny walking away and going, right, okay, and s- sticking to that, you know, because that's just the type she is. She, does, she doesn't like confrontation. Hmm. I just found that entire incident completely in keeping with how devastating and brutal some of those teachers uh, and members of the clergy were in, in how they treated children. But uh, on the one hand, I did take hope from how there was this movement to get your mother back into school. But then nearly on the very next page, we're learning that she was excluded from religion class, excluded from Irish class and no real mm-hmm. reason given. It was explained a couple of times to her that she wasn't wanted in those classes. When your mother's telling you this stuff, I mean, as much as drama school breaks you down and we'll talk about that later, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that gathering this information from your grandmother and your mother is heartbreaking for you. And there were tears shed over the course of that journey. Oh, my God, there were so many tears. And I'm not going to lie because I'm a very honest person. There was often points where I thought, oh, God, I can't do this. Mm. I can't do this to my nanny. I can't do this to my mom, you know, bringing up stuff. And, you know, there's confrontations, you know, because it's family. You know, you have these little arguments and there was stuff in there that we took out because I had to protect them throughout this process. Yeah. And what's blown my mind about the whole thing is I've never done a book before, but I never realized how much. And this is this is me being honest. I never realized how much press there would be, which is nerve wracking. Which is super, super nerve wracking because all I want to do is mind them. Do you know what I mean? Tell their story. I don't want to be, anything to be taken out of context. I don't want it to be, you know, I never wanted this to be a story of just race because that didn't define us. No. You know, there was moments where, you know, it played a part. I wanted to give them, you know, two strong women that I had in my life that I'm so, so lucky to have grown up with. And my sister's so lucky as well. And we thank our lucky stars for the two of them. I wanted to give those two powerful working class women voices. 
because they've never had those voices before. Whether that was a case that they weren't brave enough or they were worried, they didn't want to upset anyone. And that's a case I didn't want to do that either. And I didn't. I, I, I hope I was really careful in the book. I never wanted to hurt my nanny's immediate family or anything. I never wanted to do that. It's not what I'm about, you know. Does that make sense? It does. And, uh, you know, as I as I've said it right from the start, I feel like this book's compulsory reading. I feel like if uh, you're an Irish person at home or abroad, uh, you need to have a copy of this book. Just, uh, you know, just from the, as you've just said, it is three really compelling stories of three very different people living mm-hmm. with similar problems through different time periods in Irish life. Your own yeah. story, Jade, is like it's extraordinary and I feel like there's certain parts of it that are going to get brought up again and again in interviews and I'm sure you're you must be getting tired of talking about certain <laughs> parts of it because it, it is nearly like the the researchers all pull the same components but one thing that I don't feel I've heard brought up is this period you had in secondary school that I think Stephanie Preisner described something similar happening to her, where a group of girls who you thought were your friends suddenly turn Mm. and you become persona non grata and you're out and it's it's full on mean girls situation where, you know, don't go near because there's a stink of uncool and you're you're out essentially. Are you able to tell us what happened there and what that eventually precipitated in terms of the damage that you did to yourself as a result? Yeah, like it it was crazy because I went to a secondary school. I went to primary school, an all-girls school, and then I went to a secondary school. Actually, it was the Dominican convent where my grandmother went. Mom wanted me to go there, you know, keep it in the family and history Mm -hmm. and all that. And I'd gone to this school and I just wasn't happy because all my my girlfriends had gone to a mixed school in the local area. And they were friends I grew up with. I didn't, not many of us went to this secondary school. So I ended up getting into a place into the the secondary school that we're going to talk about now. And when I came in, I, um, I talk about myself like this, but I was quite popular when I came into the school. You know, I did, I did a fair bit of modeling when I was younger. So I remember like, and I'd never been around boys. (laughs) Um, do you know what I mean? I was, this attention is mad. <laughs> um, and they were like, oh, you're a model and we've seen you on this or whatever. And I just it was really popular. And I was there with girls in primary school. And then you're all in separate classes because you're going to English, Irish, maths. And then I met this other group. And, you know, we had good times. There was a misunderstanding. And one day I was the girl that got on with everyone. I was the girl that got and I genuinely got on with everyone. Hmm. I would say the people that people didn't talk to because I just love to chat and I'm a really I'm a people person and anyone from secondary school I'm sure would say that about me too but yeah I I, I had a confrontation with them and came in the next day and nobody spoke to me like yeah nobody spoke to me and it was just really it was a really awful time and I mean get on with it like I'm like I'm very much like my mom. I'm a lot softer than my mom. I, I cry at everything. But if somebody said something, I would pull you up. I'm not a pushover either, you know. So if something was said, I did argue back and I did 
have a fight back mouth too. Hmm. But it was just so bizarre. And I remember thinking things then. And I remember that was when I started changing my hair. I didn't know if it was me. I didn't know what it was. I was a teenager. Teenage years, hormones are everywhere. You're all over the place. You kind of think you know you know everything when you're a teenager. You know, there's all those things when you're a teenager. I started sure. questioning things. And I, I know things. the type of misunderstandings that you're talking about that precipitate yeah. things like this. And I know that you, these people have since apologised to you. But uh, yeah. the changes that you tried to make to yourself, which again is something that teenagers will do and parents with teenagers listening to this now, teenagers listening to this now, will know exactly the kind of stuff that you're likely to do, uh, the clothes you're likely to wear. But in your <laughs> yeah. case, you went towards using chemicals to try and adjust your hair, which you felt. And look, it's it's all over the book in terms of hair and the unwanted touching of hair. Yeah. Uh, you felt that if you could somehow get this to straighten out and look more like their hair, you'd be in a better place. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, I had those, you know, we all have those voices in our heads. You start overanalyzing everything and is it me? Is it, you know, like, yeah, it was just, I was trying to, I didn't really know where I was at that time in my life. I was like, if I change these things, will people start speaking to me again? You have so many things going on in your heads. And teenage years, I bloody difficult anyway do you know what I mean you don't you kind of don't know excuse my language your arse from your elbow really do you know mm. you're trying to learn all these things discover these things and uh, yeah I just uh, oh my god it's the nicest head of hair you've ever seen in your life and yeah just cut it up dyed it red shaved the side of my head I didn't know what I was doing with myself well sure you know it all mom said to me you're gonna regret all that well, sure, I knew, you know, when you're a teenager, you know. But yeah, even sitting here thinking about it now, like I suppose you don't give much things thought until later years in life, I guess. So to hear the rest of this conversation, and trust me, you need to hear the rest of this conversation. Jay Jordan's just brilliant. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. You know the drill. A couple of clicks, price of a coffee, you're in. You've hundreds of episodes to choose from and you can filter the ones you want. You can choose by a category or if you just want Marion on a Friday or Sonia on a Tuesday, it's the best way to do it with the Patreon app or on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Jade is, of course she's not just the author of this book she is an actress who has appeared in some of my favourite pieces of film over the last few years including The Virtues you may remember that series Neve Algar was in it as well and Rosie the Roddy Doyle film for which we did a very special feature episode with Mo Dunford and Sarah Green Jade was in that as well and in the second half of my interview with her we get into the drama school nightmare she faced in London, how that's not that uncommon, and that immigrant ache that drew her home and changed her life forever. I hope you'll come over this week, join up, become a premium member of Irishman Abroad, and enjoy all the benefits that come with it and see your life improve from that day forward. I will talk to you on Tuesday with more Sonia Sullivan and Irishman running abroad. Take care of yourselves, lads. Talk to you soon. <laughs>